So I had heard that the MBA officiating was pretty bad. Uh, I, hadn't, I don't really pay a lot of attention to the MBA. I'm a college guy. Go IU. But, um, but anyway, uh, I saw last night a little bit of the uh, Bucks and Sixers game. And I hadn't realized the officiating was so bad. But at the end of that game, the Lakers were, con were declared the winner by 20 points. <laughs> it's a slow burn. It's fine. I know, the part of the joke is the Lakers could never win anything by 20 points. But anyway, we, <laughs> we are continuing the perspective series today. And in this series, as we've said each week, we are challenging everyone, ourselves included, uh, to, to listen to another message, to, to listen to each of us, to listen to someone else so that we can learn other people's perspectives, so that we can remember that everyone is a part of this. Everyone is a part of what God has for us. And last week, we talked about Peter and just how amazing his life was, that he went to the depths of denying Jesus, like literally said, I do not know him, and yet he was still forgiven, still able to start churches, still able to turn everything around because of forgiveness, because of grace, because of God. And as we continue through this series, we're going to talk about different people as we go towards the cross, towards Easter. And today I want to talk about uh, a woman, a woman who can kind of be nameless, but other people have given her a name, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But the idea about it, and I'm going to give you a spoiler alert about kind of the point of my message today. The idea about it is that regardless of her name, she gave her all to him. The video we just watched, which I didn't really look at because I'm not a fan of feet, but I read the words... <laughs> I read the words, is about worshiping constantly, about giving our all to him, about giving our lives to him. And so I want to go to Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 9. Uh, it was now two days before Passover in the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law uh, were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him, but not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. So as I said, we're talking about this woman today, but I want to point out the difference in what I just read first. Uh, uh, the you have the Pharisees and you have her. You have the Pharisees who are hiding afraid of everything going on because they want to stop Jesus, because they are looking at their self, because they are looking at their own interests, because all they care about is what affects them. And you have this woman who all she cares about is Jesus, and she focuses on him, she walks to him, she goes to him, she looks at him. And it mentions the Passover and the, the Festival of Unleavened Bread. We've heard the word Passover. Um, this was huge. This was a gigantic thing, and it still is, but especially then. Every Jewish male uh, within 15 miles had to come to Jerusalem for this. And so they brought their families. A lot of people were there. Everyone in the area was there, so it's packed. And so when the Pharisees are hiding, they're looking out the window. They're scared. They're like, what if people see us? Because all they care about is what other people may think. Imagine the crowds. Imagine everybody around. Imagine this era of celebration, this aura of celebration. It's kind of like the taste of Cincinnati or a Bengals 
uh, celebration after a win or something. Maybe something that happens more often, but it's... <laughs> just joking. But just making sure you're still with me. But the point is, everyone is around. And the Pharisees are focused on them. They're afraid of what they'll say, afraid of what they'll do. We can't get Jesus while people will know. Or they may be upset. The woman, same thing. Everybody's around. All she sees is Jesus. All she feels is Jesus. All she cares about is Jesus. And she goes towards him. She goes to him. She loves him. She gives everything to him. Whereas they are not caring about what God has for them. And they're not caring about the plan for their lives. All she cares about is praising God. All she cares about is giving everything she can to God. Uh, in John, he, he refers to her as Mary, which is the sister of Lazarus and uh, Martha. There are accounts, um, uh, theories, I guess, that refer to her as Mary Magdalene. I don't really subscribe to that one. I'm more towards the Mary sister of Lazarus. But what's important is not her name. And I'm not saying that to take away her identity. Because her identity is a servant of Christ. Her identity is giving her all to him. Her identity is worshiping constantly. You see, our names may not live on. But our service to him will. The seeds that we plant, everything that we do for him, everything that we give to him, that is who we are. That is why we're here. We're not here just to hear me, to, to have wonderful worship. The confirmation students were awesome. But we're not even here just for them. We're here because we want to dedicate our lives to him. We want to give everything to him. We want to focus on him. And the world is filled with reasons not to. The world is filled with other things in the way. The world is filled with things that will steal our focus. And so like the Pharisees, we can get caught up in that sometimes. But we have to look at people like this woman. This woman who her identity is so wrapped up in Jesus that people don't even know what her name actually is. That's the goal, ladies and gentlemen. That's who we're supposed to be. We are called Christians not because it's a cool name, not because it's the name of the lion mascot for upwards. Three people got that. That's fine. But because we are little Christ, because we are like him, we are supposed to be in this for him. That's the focus. And... There are accounts of a few weeks ago, a few months ago, all time is kind of together for me, because I'm old now. But uh, at some point, I preached about the, the woman that was referred to as sinful who came in and, and washed his feet. That's a different account, and I get how they're kind of close. But what she did here, this woman, is a, a jar, an expensive jar of perfume. And she breaks it open and pours every bit of it on him to anoint him. Now, this is like if I had an expensive jar of perfume or cologne, and the only thing that I know about perfume or cologne is the name Calvin Klein. I don't know if that's expensive. To me, it's expensive, so I'm going to go with that. But that's like if I came in and broke that open. There are going to be people who are like, whoa, what's he doing? There are going to be people who are like, oh, man, somebody's going to step on that glass. <laughs> there are going to be people who are like, oh, I would have taken that. But what she did was knowing there were going to be different groups of people in that room that were going to say different things. She still did it. She still broke the entire flask. And she wasn't rich. This was expensive. She could have sold this for food. She could have sold this to, to give to charity, as you're going to find out in a second. She could have done a lot of different things. 
But all she cared about was Jesus. All she cared about was loving him, serving him, showing her love to him, showing her devotion to him. And she poured the entire confidence. She gave all of that, just like she was giving all of herself to him. She walked into a room, a room in which somebody had basically been referred to as Simon the Leper, which is a rough nickname. A room filled with men who were just talking and hanging out. A room with the Savior of the world. And she walked in looking only at him and gave everything she had to him. And she does it without a word. The money didn't matter. The, the, the words of other people didn't matter. But she didn't announce it. She didn't ask the disciples what they thought before or after. She didn't post on Facebook, hey, I'm going to go do this. She didn't take a selfie of herself doing it and say, hashtag blessed. YOLO. She didn't praise her own actions. What she did was look at Jesus, give him everything she had, and then stay there in worship of him. And whereas she may not have had the money to spare, the Pharisees in another room, they were pretty well off, and so they're eating and they're comfortable. And both of them, the groups, the Pharisees and the woman, were focused on Jesus, but in wildly different ways. You see, she was focused on praising him, on worshiping him, on caring about him, on trying to be a part of his plan, on showing his love to everyone, including him. And they were focused on getting as far away from him as possible because he was interfering with what they wanted to do in life. He was interfering with who they thought they were, who they thought they could be. He was interfering with their power. We spoke last week about Peter, like I said, and one of the things I talked about was how it came down at a certain point to a focus on self or a focus on Jesus. And when we focus only on ourselves, when we focus on the world, that's denying him. When we focus on him, that's accepting him, that's praising him. And so we see here a glimpse of that. And I have a quote from C.S. Lewis, who I've used once or twice. For you will certainly carry out God's purpose. However you act, and I want to reread that before I go to the rest, for you will certainly carry out God's purpose however you act, but it makes a difference to you whether you serve like Judas or like John. You see, God's plan is perfect. God's plan is all-encompassing. God's plan has existed since before time. God's plan will never change. No one, nothing, no matter what political party, no matter how big a celebrity, no matter how famous, no matter how hard anybody tries, can change his plan. Because God is always in control no matter what happens. God is always in control. God always knows what's going to happen. He always knows that it's going to end with him winning, with heaven, with victory. And that's never going to change. However... Because of free will, our role in that plan can change. Our place in his plan can change. Our lives can change. And it mentions Judas and John. They have very different identities. Judas followed, they both followed Jesus for the three years he was on earth walking around. And he was on earth longer than that, but I'm talking in his ministry. They both followed him. They both stayed with him. They both lived in the same area as him. They both preached with him. They both listened. They both watched him heal. They both saw everything. And they were both a part of his plan. But Judas 
He just cared about the self part of it. And even after he messed up, even after he sinned, he could not bring himself to go back for forgiveness. John, he wasn't perfect. But he kept going towards Jesus. He kept loving Jesus. He kept doing everything he could to follow him. And so both of them had a role. But their choices made them wildly different in how they're remembered and how their actions served and how they served. And the Pharisees and this woman, they're similar. Because you see, we have, and we kind of say, and I'm guilty of it too, uh, use Pharisees as kind of like villains. They, you can't paint with a wide brush like that. There were some Nicodemus who saw Jesus. There were others uh, like Joseph who, who saw Jesus. And they changed. They gave their lives to him. Eventually, Paul was one of those. But the ones in this room, they were following the Judas path. And they were a part of his plan, but they refused to care what else they could do. All they cared about was themselves. And the woman, all she cared about was Jesus. All she cared about was wanting to follow him, to be on his side, to be like him. And that's our goal. That's our focus. That's who we should be. There are so many different things we can do and so many different ideas and so many different dreams. And all of that is good, but it comes down to who do we want to follow? Him or ourselves? Him or the world? And that's what, what we see here. And I want to go to verse 4. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. Uh, it could have been sold for a year's wages. And the money given to the poor... So they scolded her harshly. And this is the disciples. This is not the Pharisees. This is not just random people. This is the disciples. We're scolding her. Now in John, we see that Judas started it, but Judas wasn't the only voice. And Judas didn't care how much it cost. He was stealing. But all of them, all of them were criticizing her. All of them were prideful. All of them were being self-serving. And in this moment, aside from Jesus and the woman, there wasn't much difference between that room and the room of people plotting against him because they had, got, they had lost focus and they were criticizing her sharply. But why? Because it wasn't theirs. She didn't walk in and take their perfume. She didn't do anything against them. All she did was show Jesus, which is kind of the point. It's easy to criticize, period. It's easy. It's very easy to criticize. I could go person by person and ask for you to criticize me. I wouldn't like that very much. But I could do it. It's very easy. We could all do it. We all do it. But there are times that even though we're critical of others, we're really being critical of ourselves because we see someone else giving their all to him. We see someone else pouring perfume on his head. We see someone else standing up for him, and we realize that we didn't. And we realize that someone else is doing something maybe we could have. Or someone else is doing more than what we perceive we are doing. And so we get mad at them. Because it's always easier to tear down other people than to build ourselves up. That's a truth of the world. There are parents who will say to their kids that are bullied, and I'm not going to spoil this really, but there are parents that say to their kids that are bullied that they're just jealous. There were a lot of kids jealous of me in my life. But there is some truth to that in that when we are living how we're supposed to live, 
when we are focusing on him, when we are giving our all to him, when we are doing everything we can to be like him, that shines a spotlight, not just on him and his love, not just on our actions, not just on what could be, but it shines a spotlight on those who are not. And there are people that see that and think, oh man, I've got to step it up. I've got to do more. I really have to give everything I can to Jesus. But there are also people that see that and think, well, if I tear them down and stop them, then I don't have to do as much. All I have to do is lower the line. And so in this room, that's what the disciples are doing. They're trying to lower the line. They're trying to, to stop her. They're trying to diminish her. The woman, though, she heard them. And I'm sure it hurt. But you notice she didn't respond. Because all she saw in that room was Jesus. And even though everything around her was stormy and everything around her was hurting, she had given everything she could to Jesus. She knew that she had given everything she could to Jesus. Her focus was pure. Her intent was pure. Her heart was pure. And even though she was hurt, she kept her eyes on him. Through it all, her light came from him. Her value came from him. Her identity came from him. And even though there are times that when our identity comes from him, we can still be hurt from outside forces, that identity never changes if it's focused on him. And we can get through it. We can move through it. We can help each other. We can see him because he sees us. And despite the pain, despite them tearing her down, it did not erase his love. It did not erase her love. I have a quote. Blowing out someone else's candle doesn't make yours shine any brighter. It's a simple thing. It's cliche. But it's very true. We see this everywhere. Uh, we're still a couple years away from presidential debates, or maybe a year away. I don't know what year it is right now, but I'm going to assume somewhere. <laughs> you will notice... In the debates for that, for vice president, for senator, for governor, for mayor, whatever else you watch debates of, that it will probably never be someone standing there saying, this is why I'm best for the job. As you watch the political ads, the commercials, it'll very rarely be, this is why I can do it, this is what I can offer you. All of them will be, this person is awful. This is why they can't do it. This is why they are a mess. This is why they're trouble. This is why you should be scared of them. But you see the trick there. Because it never says you shouldn't be scared of me. It never says I can do it. It never says my focus is on the right thing. It never says any of that. Because it's all about blowing out somebody else's candle so that theirs appears brighter. That's not how it works. Ultimately, we realize that. Ultimately, it doesn't work that way. Ultimately, even though you may fool some of the people some of the time, even though we can occasionally fool ourselves, Jesus sees us. He sees our heart. He sees who we are. He sees our intent. He sees our love. He sees our focus. He sees everything about us. And yet, he still loves us. We still have a chance at forgiveness if we ask. We still have a chance to be a part of his plan if we ask, if we try. Because even though we mess up so much, his love is overwhelming. His love is victorious. His love is perfect. And in this room, 
The woman saw that. And with everyone around her trying to blow out her candle, she knew that her flame was eternal because it was from him. She knew that despite pain, despite disappointment, despite discouragement, and all of those things we'll feel, his love never goes away. It is on us, always, no matter what we do. That is such a powerful idea. Everything that we preach every single week would not matter without that. Because we can go through the rules, we can go through the commands, we can go through the people, we can go through everything. If his love was not perfect, we're all in trouble. But it is. He is love. He, 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 he is beyond anything we can imagine. And in this little story, just a couple paragraphs, we see what that looks like. We see people who he still loves but are trying to kill him. We see people who he still loves that are going to run away from him and betray him even though they love him. And we see a woman who loves him so much that she has poured out a year's wages on his head. Think about that for a second. A year's wages means something different to everyone in here. But think about that. If you gave up an entire year's wages to him for something, that's a lot. She gave him everything she had. And I can promise you that right now she's gotten so much more. Because her love, her focus, her everything was on him. Going to the next verse, still in Mark. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, the woman's deed will be remembered and discussed, which we're proving today. To be defended by Jesus. For Jesus to stand there and say, leave her alone. She is my servant. Wow. Talk about a testimony. To have him look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the goal. Everybody, that's the goal. That's what we're trying to do. We are not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. And there are people that are going to look at that truth two different ways. And we're going to look at not being perfect and say, oh, I'm not perfect, so I'll just keep doing whatever I want to do and I'll ask for forgiveness, then I'll be okay. That's a dangerous path. Because the more you put it off, the more you harden your heart. But there are people that look at that and think, I'm not perfect. So I'm going to give everything I can to him. And I'm going to help people see that even in their imperfections, he loves them, he will help them, he will guide them. And this woman shows everything about what we can do, about who we are, and to be persecuted like her. Be persecuted by fellow believers like her. And yet given compliments by Jesus. That's it. That's what's so amazing about this story, 
is people who would start churches. People who would help uh, send the message around the world. We're tearing her down for this one act. Now here's the crazy thing. Uh, we find out something else about her from what Jesus said. Because he said that she was anointing him for burial. And this was a practice at the time. You anointed the body for burial. Which means, which means that the, the people who followed him every day and heard every word he ever said, but were always like, ah, you're not going to die, Jesus. Oh, this is what the Messiah really is. And even though they believed him, eh, they kind of struggled with believing him. But this woman, who knows how often she heard the message, but she believed it so resolutely, so strongly, so intrinsically that she was anointing him for burial. And so that doesn't just show her devotion. It doesn't just show her focus. It doesn't just show her love. It shows her faith. Her faith is entirely to him. She believed he was going to die. She believed he would come again. And she was just trying to show him that she was a part of it, that she loved him. She was showing him everything. And Jesus says that she did good work. There are two words in Greek for good. Uh, one of them is agathos, which means good. That's why it's a Greek word for good. The other one is, there you go, the other one is kalos. And kalos means not only good, but lovely. And that's the word Jesus used. He said she's done a good and lovely act here. Not because of the amount the perfume costed, but because she walked straight to him. She looked straight at him. She ignored everything else and she focused on him. She gave everything she had to him. She has done what she could. Maybe she didn't have the gift of preaching or starting churches. Maybe she didn't have the gift of worship or, or tech. But she did what she could. That is key to our lives. That is key to who we are, to do what we can. Maybe we look around and think, oh, man, I'm just not gifted in that way. I've, I'm going to get myself in trouble a little bit here if Sean's still here. Uh, so a couple months ago, I used to know how to play guitar. And then a couple months ago, I decided to try to relearn it. Uh, none of you will ever see that, but it's true. <laughs> and so I've taken to, I've taken to each week kind of watching Sean on chord changes and things. And yeah, no, he's good. Just watching his hands move and everything, just to see, is that what I do? Is he, does he know tricks I don't and all that stuff? I can't do what he does. But I can give my all. Maybe some of you in here think, man, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. I wish that I could give this. I wish I could give that. I just can't afford it or I don't have the time or whatever. You can do something. You can give your all. And she did what she could. We can do what we can. That's what a church is. It's many parts of the body. And it's not just in this room. It's in the world. We have to be the church in the world. We have to be like this woman in the world, giving her all, focusing on him, remembering that he is in control, remembering that we are a part of it, remembering that his love is always with us. That's who we are. That's who we have to be. That's who we should be. I have one more quote. 
God really performs the miracle of multiplying our time. But only if we give it to him first. We all know the story of the feeding of 5,000, which is more like 10,000. The little boy who had some fish and some bread and gave them to Jesus. And everybody else was like, that's just a drop in the bucket. That's not going to be enough. That can't even feed one person. And Jesus saw it and he multiplied it. But he wouldn't just take the boy's fish and bread. The boy had to offer it. He can multiply our time. He can multiply our efforts. He can multiply our love. He can multiply everything we do. But he will never take it from us. We have to give it. And this woman, she gave it to him. And maybe we look at that and think, I can't, what can I do like that? How can I be like her? It's not about that. Because she just did it in her own way. She did what she could. We can do that. We can be like him. We have to give it to him. In a couple minutes, seconds, however long I talk, one of the confirmation students earlier made a joke. Oh, Jeff's preaching today. We'll be here till 11. And I don't really take sarcasm, so I'm going to take it literally maybe. Just joking. I end all of my messages the same. I say that's all I've got. It's not grammatically correct, which bothers me. I don't say it for a catchphrase. I don't say it because people expect it. I say it to him. Because while I may question my skills, and I may question my value, and I may question my worth, I know each and every time I speak, I'm giving him everything. That's all I can do. That's what that means to me. That's what we can do. Everyone in here is different. So don't worry about what the person next to you is giving or how they're living or what they're doing or what they can do for him. Just give everything you can. Be everything you can for him. Be like him. I saw a movie this week, The Jesus Revolution. And it's about a revival that happened in the 60s with hippies. It was a really good movie. I guess the guy, I didn't know this in advance, but I guess the guy that plays Jesus in The Chosen was in it. And also Frasier. But I saw it, and I don't usually get emotional, but I was touched by that movie. And it started with, you know, the church, a lot of people in the church being kind of, eh, we don't want hippies here, they don't have shoes on, which I get. But it was a revival. I've been in the church long enough, the Capital C Church, my entire life. And over and over and over again, I've heard, we need a revival. We need a revival. We have to have a revival. Everybody needs a revival. But we always kind of want it on our own terms. A revival isn't a special service. It's not a series of services. It is people giving their all to him. And each of us can do that every single day. 
that's what we're called to do. This woman, who seemingly on the surface has a small role in the Easter story, was one of the few people that believed him so much she anointed him for burial. She was one of the few people that loved him so much she put up with scorn from other people to give everything she could to him. That's why we're here. I might say this every week. I don't know. But I know I said it last week. There are two times a year that Christians think people are more receptive to coming to church, Easter and Christmas. And if you listen to me, you know what I'm about to say. We think it's because they're ready. We think it's because they know their big days. It's not. It's because those two times of year, we are more focused on being like him. We are more like what the church should be than the rest of the time. So let's change that. Let's shift our perspective. Let's shift our focus. Let's focus entirely on him and make every day Easter and Christmas. That's all I got.